This podcast is a production of America Matters Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the America Matters Media Podcast Network by visiting americamatters.us. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review at your favorite place to download podcasts. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers, although we think they should. But that's the opinion of America Matters Media. America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal. You're now listening to The Royal Treatment. We're here every week to answer your health questions. And first, I would like to thank our sponsors. We have two sponsors, the First Nation Medical Board and the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. Both of these are under the jurisdiction of the Crow Tribe of Indians. The First Nation Medical Board licenses practitioners such as myself to practice traditional medicine. Why? Well, because the federal government gave them the right to do just that. And we can help practitioners such as as myself in all 50 states because there is no state in this country that regulates the practice of traditional medicine, which includes all things alternative, complementary, and holistic. We'd also like to thank the Turtle Healing Man Clinic. That's where I practice here in Las Vegas. You can reach us by calling 702-562-1454. That's 702-562-1454. Or if you have a question and you need some free medical advice, feel free to email me directly at droyal at thbclinic.com. D is in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at thb for Turtle Healing Band, clinic.com. So our goal is to help you, the listeners, to be empowered with information you can use to optimize your health and wellness. And to help us do that, we have invited a guest here today who will be talking about something that is, well, very little understood by the public. It's homeopathy, something that I've been trained in, and the state of Nevada has had a homeopathic medical board for in the past, There is one homeopathic board still remaining in the United States, and that is in Arizona. But that is the only one that is currently actively functioning at this time. Our guest today is Dr. Ronald Whitmont. He's actually a board certified in internal medicine, and he's a founding diplomat of the American Board of Holistic and Integrative Medicine, the clinical assistant professor of family and community medicine at New York Medical College, where he directs the fourth-year elective in complementary alternative and integrative medicine with a special focus on homeopathy. He's a medical advisor for the Americans for homeopathic or homeopathy choice, and is the author of numerous articles and chapters in medical textbooks on the use of homeopathy in the treatment of medical conditions. Dr. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. 
Well, I told very little, really, about yourself. Why don't you give us a little more background about who you are and where you came from? Hmm, that's a that's a big, wide-open question, but thanks for the invitation. Uh, I am a second-generation homeopathic physician. I'm an MD, and um, I followed in partly in the footsteps of my father, who was also an MD and a homeopathic physician. Uh, I've been practicing now for about 25 years, uh, just practicing homeopathic medicine. Uh, before that, I have experience uh, working in uh, various uh, fields of medicine, internal medicine, where I was board certified. And I did a stint with the United States Navy uh, under the Health Professions Scholarship Program. Well, now, did you start out in medicine as a homeopathic physician? Because I see you're trained as an internal medicine, a board-certified internal medicine doctor. Well, no. Well, it's kind of complicated. I did start out wanting to be a homeopath um, since childhood. I was raised in a homeopathic household, and I experienced the benefits of homeopathy myself uh, from a very early age. And when I began to think about what I might want to do, I was very interested in healing. I was very interested in helping people understand what their bodies are going through and um, how the whole process of recovery takes place. So I decided to enter traditional conventional medical school to learn as much as I possibly could about uh, the way the body works, uh, physiology, anatomy, uh, pharmacotherapy, all those things with the intent of practicing homeopathic medicine eventually. And to that purpose, I decided to take uh, a health profession scholarship with the Navy because I knew that if I did that, I would be forced to use conventional medicine for at least four years. Uh, so I did that. It worked in emergency rooms, medical clinics um, in the United States and abroad. And when I was released from the Navy, I then went on to internal medicine residency program and did an additional couple of years that, and then finally said, uh, I'm really done with conventional medicine. I don't like um, what I'm seeing in it. It really conflicted with my uh, Hippocratic oath and principle of doing no harm. Uh, and I could not really, with, with, a, with a clear conscience, continue to practice that form of medicine. So it sounds like you were raised in a homeopathic family. Perhaps your da, your father was a homeopathic physician. I was raised in such a family where my father was trained in traditional medicine. He made the transition to homeopathic medicine. And hmm. so when I went to medical school like you, I already knew that I was going to be practicing alternative medicine. Was your father a homeopathic physician as well? Yes, he was. And one of the, one of the most valuable... Um, points of advice that he gave me before I went to medical school was you have to just keep your mouth shut about <laughs> that alternative medicine when you're there. Uh, you probably understand some of that uh, yourself. Uh, it, was a one, it was a great experience to go through that training, but it was hard. It was rigorous. Um, and I knew that there was a lot of things that I would probably never use again, um, but it was still important to learn. Yeah. So, one of the things about medical school is it is a very rigorous program, as you mentioned, and there, of course, is a lot of memorization, but there's also the opportunity to learn how conventional medicine is practiced in the real world, and so I think the two of us appreciate the value of that education because it helps to make us better physicians regardless of where we decided to go with that education. 
And I've also been to law school, and I can tell you that uh, medical school was much more challenging. I liked law school because hmm. instead of having a test every Monday morning and requiring us to study over the weekends, we had a test at the end of the semester. It's really only one test that we had to uh, gear up for. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to the Royal Treatment, and my guest today is Dr. Ronald Whitlodge from New York, a homeopathic physician. And we're going to continue our discussion about homeopathy when we come back after the break. Stay with us. We are back to the show, and thank you, my friends, for sticking with us. We're now in the second quarter of our show, and you're listening to The Royal Treatment with me, Dr. Daniel Royal. And talking about homeopathy. Homeopathy is a practice that's actually longer in this country than the practice of conventional medicine. Our guest today is Dr. Ronald Whitmont from Beck, New York. Dr. Ron, tell people how they can get a hold of you if they have questions about this subject or wish to find you? Sure. The easiest way is just to Google my name. It's W-H-I-T-M-O-N-T, first name Ron or Ronald. And I have a website, which is uh, www.homeopathicmd.com. That's probably the easiest, and that gives you all, all the contact information you need. So tell our listeners a little bit about homeopathy, because I'm sure a lot of people who are listening right now who've heard of it, but really know nothing about homeopathy. What is it exactly? Okay. Well, it's important to understand, first of all, that homeopathy is a scientifically based form of medicine. It is about 220 some years old, and it was um, discovered by a physician in Germany named Samuel Hahnemann. And it is, when I say it's science-based, I mean it is actually, the treatments are based on scientific observation of treated cases and observation of natural phenomenon. And this information has been garnered through years and years and many, many cases of uh, patients that are treated homeopathically. And one of the founding principles of homeopathy and one of the ways that we know it works uh, is that Every single medicine that's used homeopathically is supposed to go through what's called a drug proving, which means this medicine is administered blindly to individuals, um, and then their their case is taken after that. So we know what these medicines do pharmacologically in the body. We know how the body responds to them. And treatment is based upon what we call the law of similars, which means that in order to treat a certain condition, we are looking to treat with a medicine that is capable of, in its most um, concrete form, of creating the same pattern of symptoms in an individual who is healthy. We use those those symptoms, which are the proven symptoms, to treat someone who is actually suffering uh, from an illness. So the science is very meticulous. It's been gathered by cases Uh, through direct observation and cases that have been followed for many years. Um, One of the reasons why homeopathy has been very much uh, mal-aligned over the years, and it has been mal-aligned by various organizations, uh, primarily in this country by the American Medical Association, is because it is a form of medicine that competes very closely with with conventional uh, medicine. And um, this is a threatening um, treatment because it is much less expensive. 
it is quite effective and is extremely safe when you compare it to conventional modalities. And it also, one of the nice things about it is it utilizes and recruits the body's own system of healing. So it is using the homeostasis mechanisms that already exist in the body as a, a means of providing a resolution of illness. We don't force the body to do something. We coax it and um, we allow it to respond appropriately. So it is extremely um, sustainable. It is, a, it is consistent with what we have learned about the human microbiome and the ecology of the environment. Uh, it is a very user-friendly form of medicine. And uh, as I said, it is effective in a range of medical conditions um, and has been used throughout the world now for over 200 years. Uh, and by at least 500 million people worldwide today. Yeah, one of the interesting things about homeopathy is that the proven you referred required the skill of observation. That's something that seems lost because, well, there is a movement or a motivation to see patients as quickly as they can to make money on visits. Now, I'm talking about your standard. Uh, family practice or, or general uh, physician. And so they don't spend as much time with their patients really getting to know them or establishing a trust relationship, which is something we talked about in my last program with Dr. Bruce Fong. Now, approving is when a patient is actually taking homeopathic remedy to the point where they develop symptoms, and it's those symptoms that are then used in guiding one on how and when where to use a homeopathic preparation. There are some other ways by which we can also diagnose, uh, if you will allow me to use that term, the, the times when a homeopathic remedy would be um, appropriate, such as a poisoning. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the information on um, the homeopathic drugs, and these are considered drugs by the Food and Drug Administration, the, um, the information on a homeopathic drug comes from um, at least three different sources. One of them is the, the blinded proven, which allows us uh, to understand what, what mechanisms the drug provokes inside the body. But as you mentioned, we also gather information from any toxicological studies, any accidental poisonings, any experience that people have had with a substance, whether it's using it in folk medicine or whether it's accidental industrial exposure. Um, and then the third way that we have information and we gather information about the homeopathic medicines is through cured cases. When a case does respond to a homeopathic medicine, um, those that information is generally gathered together and that information is collated with the rest of the drug information so that we know, okay, it actually has a record in curing this type of condition with this type of symptoms and modalities. So the information comes from at least three different sources and is gathered together in um, a book like uh, called A Materia Medica, which is then sort of like a physician's desk reference, uh, and that's utilized to understand what would be the best medicine in this particular case. Homeopathy is best utilized when it is individualized um, to each particular case, although it is also successful and highly successful even when it is not individualized, when it is used as a generic medicine to treat issues like trauma or burns or vaccine reactions, things like that. It can be used in a number of different circumstances. We tend to individualize most of the time. Um, 
And what you're mentioning about the difference between conventional and homeopathic medicine is very, is absolutely true. That um, the uh, conventional on the conventional side, we tend to look mostly at symptoms and how do we get rid of symptoms. Um, and we are thinking in a short-term um, field, whereas when we're looking at things homeopathically, we're often looking at someone's entire lifespan. We want to know how they were treated early on as a child. We want to know what illnesses actually may be buried uh, underneath their current illness and what might be the factors that are leading to their dis-ease at the current time. And when we're looking at treatment's effects, we're not just looking at how do they feel in the next day, but we're looking for the gradual unwinding, if you will, and the process by which someone does heal. And it follows very specific patterns and a very specific route that we are trying to track and that we want to confirm that um, recovery is taking place along these defined margins. So one of the ways that homeopathy can be used, if I understand you correctly, is as an antidote, like Mother Nature's antidote to a poisoning, but you're also alluding to the fact that homeopathic remedies are more than just treatment for physical symptoms. They can be used to treat mental, emotional, and even inherited conditions that are referred to as miasms. Tell us a little bit about miasms. Is that something that is completely ignored and not understood or even recognized by conventional medicine at all? Right. No, you're absolutely right, Dan. And um, it, it's as if the entire field of conventional medicine has decided to ignore the idea that individuals may be susceptible to different conditions um, uniquely. And that's really the basis for miasms, that everyone has unique susceptibilities. And um, we can all be exposed, let's say, to the same virus, and we may, be, we may react differently or we may, may not react at all, depending upon our susceptibility or our miasm. Uh, this is particularly evident when you look at um, the current COVID-19 um, pandemic that's affecting our world today, uh, where 82% of people aren't even, or aren't even affected or are only barely affected by this infection. Homeopaths have utilized this information, have studied this information for years and years. This is nothing new uh, to us. We recognize that everyone responds on the basis of their medical exposure, their medical experience, and absolutely, as you say, even on their family history, uh, which is what, you know, that's the miasm that comes through. And, you know, a good example of this is the the, the birth experience and the, the experience when you're being carried as a, a fetus, um, the different things that have affected your, your mother um, will affect your health. And these are things that are often addressed in homeopathic treatment, when the mother was exposed to a toxic drug or had been uh, treated in some way or had been traumatized at birth, this affects the health of the a newborn child and, you know, the, the adult going forward. And that's why you need the more complete of the patient so you can understand what some of the influences might be on their current state of health today, knowing where they've been in the past, not only as individuals, but even as what they may have inherited from their parents. And this is a little different than genetics. How would you say a miasm differs from a genetic inheritance? That's a, that's a good question, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer, answer that. Uh, in my framework, in the way I frame it, 
Um, I see it as the difference between genetics and the microbiome. Um, we know that a lot of things are inherited through the genetics, through our genetics, but that the microbiome provides an incredible amount of information, including genetic information that influences and affects our health. And I think that kind of represents what we're working with homeopathically. If we're working with the microbiome in a creative fashion and supporting it, we're actually supporting one of the more important factors of health that goes beyond our inherited genetics. And, and I that's think Amaya I think Amayasm refers uh, even to something we might want to call imprinting, which would be a little different than genetics. We'll talk about that more after the break. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment, and my guest today is Dr. Ronald Whitmont from Rhinebeck, New York, homeopathic physician. We'll be right back after the break, my friends, so stay with us. Greetings, my friends. We are back to the show, and you are listening to The Royal Treatment. My guest today is Dr. Ron Whitmont from Rhinebeck, New York, homeopathic physician. Now, if you have a question for me or any of my guests, you can always email me directly at droyal at thbclinic.com. D is in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at THB for Turtle Healing Band Clinic.com. Or call us directly, 702-562-1454. So, Dr. Ron, during the break, we were talking a little bit more about miasms and how it's uh, actually uh, uh, somewhat theoretical. We're still learning about uh, human nature and the human body, and uh, it's not the same as genetics, and I suggested it might be some form of imprinting, but we really don't know. We're really just simply treating what we observe in uh, human nature as uh, homeopaths. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I wanted to make that clear that there's a, there is a distinction between what we do homeopathically, and it is based upon what we call an empiric science, which is really the science of observation and, and experimentation. Whereas the, the miasms and what we call miasmatic theory is just that. It's a theory about the way we think things may happen based upon observed observations. I was trying to make a connection to the microbiome there because what we're seeing with the microbiome is it is really mirroring what we have described homeopathically in terms of, of miasms. We know with the microbiome that you're actually inheriting your maternal um, microbiome, not only through the gut, but through the skin, through breast milk, through everywhere on the body, you are getting um, a inoculation from your mother and then every person you make contact with, but primarily your family. So although you do inherit your genetic makeup from your family, just as important, if not more important, is the microbiological inheritance that you achieve through the birth process and directly after that in the first year or two of life. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the microbiome, as I think you clarified, we're referring to the Organism balance throughout our entire body, not just in our gut, because that's, that's typically what we refer to when we speak of the microbiome. In fact, I had a patient in my office today. We just got back. He has a, a chronic loose stool issue of the last year, and we tried a number of different things. And when we got the results back, it showed that he had multiple bacteria in high amounts that were affecting the microbiome of his gut. So we can be a little bit more targeted now on addressing us. But... The microbiome in our entire body should be in balance. It should be in symbiosis. Symbiosis 
meaning living in harmony with itself. And if it's not, and we're out of balance, then we're going to balance, which then helps us to choose an appropriate homeopathic remedy for the patient. Now, one of the things that we do as homeopaths, in addition to miasms, when that's going a little bit deeper, but before we get to that point, we're also trying to determine the constitutional type of the patient or personality type. Can you tell us a bit more about those two, those two aspects of homeopathic medicine? Sure. Well, the, when you mention constitutional type, again, you have a concept that is well outside of anything we talk about um, conventionally. Uh, this really means that each one of us has a personality, if you will, that we we're born with, that each of us has tendencies, qualities, characteristics, different differences in the way we respond to the environment externally and internally. And that as homeopathic physicians, one of the things we do is we try to recognize how does, how does this particular person in front of me respond uniquely to um, their external and their internal environment? And what are, the, what are the strategies that they use to get by? What are the, what are the ways that they um, use when they interact with the environment? By treating, by focusing on that particular um, range of reactions and not necessarily even talking about what condition they're, they're manifesting, whether it's a diagnosable condition like eczema or rheumatoid arthritis or something like that, you can treat someone, you, you actually have better results when you treat someone in accordance with their constitutional type and in accordance with what you know about their miasmatic background, um, which is, as, as we discussed before, what that means. So, yeah, this is something that is quite unique to um, the homeopathic approach. Yeah, there was a book written years ago, I believe it was entitled The a Psychosocial Profile of Constitutional Personality Types by uh, Catherine Coulter. So that was a fun book to read. Actually, I think the public would even enjoy reading that book because what it does is it takes historical figures and explains how they fit into that personality type. So give us an example of what a personality type might look like in a homeopathic uh, prescription. Uh, one of the one of the easiest ones that I think comes to mind is a uh, is a tubercular type um, named after the um, the, the tuberculosis um, bacterium. Um, some people are actually more susceptible to getting respiratory diseases. They have a weaker uh, whether it's a weaker constitution in their lungs, uh, weaker um, uh, resistance in that area. Uh, that might be considered a phosphorus type or a tubercular type, and these are two very closely related constitutions. Uh, they're usually complementary, in fact. They tend to manifest their physical illnesses through their respiratory tract. They tend to, there's the kind of person who's going to tell you every fall I get a bronchitis or I get pneumonia and I get, you know, I have to be put on antibiotics for this. Um, and that they uh, tend to be of a certain body type, though not always, they tend to be very slim. Um, and they tend to have certain mental characteristics or emotional characteristics as well. Generally, what we find is when you treat this person constitutionally or through their miasmatic type, is that you can easily resolve 
those recurrent conditions. And uh, it's not uncommon when you give them the right homeopathic medicine that matches this, they'll tell you, I stopped getting those recurring bouts of bronchitis or pneumonia, and I stopped, my, my lungs seem to just become stronger. Um, and as I said before, this this is a, 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 a makes a wonderful theory for miasms, but we can also see it happening physically when you look at the microbiome in the lungs. Uh, you see that that, lung, that microbiome actually changes and it shifts uh, following the homeopathic treatment. So we have a very nice model now uh, in which to say we know what part of the mechanism of how homeopathy works. It's through the microbiome. Yeah, one of the things I like about homeopathic medicine is it's the real true art form of medicine. And maybe that's why I like it so much, where we're having to use our intuition, our knowledge and experience of that individual patient. And so good things from the homeopathic prescription, as you stated, we bring them back into balance. But that's not to say there isn't some objective evidence that can help us document the effectiveness of what we're doing. So, for example... Some years ago, we did a study with some physicists in Jerusalem where we were documenting the effect of using homeopathic medicines on the autonomic nervous system. Now, when you give something under the tongue, it has a direct effect on your autonomic nervous system balance, your parasympathetic and your sympathetic tone. And if it's the right remedy, you can completely bring it back into balance, make the patient feel more calm and and function more efficiently. Have you had any experience in anything like that, using autonomic nervous system uh, measurements to evaluate what you're doing for your patients with homeopathic treatments? Um, Dan, I haven't done any experiments of that type, but what I would tell you is um, one of the arguments that is frequently leveled against homeopathic treatment is that it's a placebo response. And I can tell you in my own practice that I have treated uh, infants, and young children uh, who are not even aware most of the time that they're getting medicines. I have treated patients, patients who are in a coma, and um, I've had the opportunity to treat animals um, largely in my own household uh, using homeopathic medicines. So we know not only is there a, a response in the autonomic nervous system, and we I don't know objectively, I can tell you subjectively that this is changing. Uh, and, and subjective information, although it's been down denigrated, it is an extremely valuable uh, source of information. Um, yes, objective information is nice. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool way of scientifically saying, yes, I saw that happen. But there's nothing like talking to a patient who changes right in front of your eyes. Uh, it's nothing like treating a child for a behavioral problem and having the mother say, I don't know what happened, but they're, all their behavior changed and that, that tick went away or that, um, that behavioral uh, temper tantrum just completely stopped. So it, we know that homeopathic medicine does not address one single organ at a time. Um, it is holistic and we know just the way you're describing with the experiment in Jerusalem where the autonomic nervous system was affected, the entire nervous system is affected, not just the autonomic. The cardiovascular system is affected. The gastrointestinal system is affected. The whole body is affected. And as you mentioned earlier, which really does bear repeating, it's a psychosomatic form of medicine, which means the mental and emotional state of the patient is also treated and 
generally improved. I think that's a good point, that homeopathic medicine is treating our body, not just a pill for every ill or a symptom of disease management, which is the curse of our conventional medicine. I've had the experience in my office of treating patients sometimes with using something as uh, simple as Califos for anxiety and having them get immediate relief. I had a patient recently who was suffering from nausea from chemotherapy, and I gave her some homeopathic remedies, and within one minute, she was feeling better. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treat. My guest today is Dr. Ron Whitmont from Rhinebeck, New York, homeopathic physician. And of course, we're talking about homeopathy. We'll be right back after the break. So, my friends, please stay with us. Hello, my friends. We are back to the show, and thank you for sticking with us. We're now in the fourth quarter of our show. You're listening to The Royal Treatment with me, Dr. Dan Royal. I'm here every week to answer your health questions. But most importantly, I'm here to empower you, the listeners, with information that you can use to improve your health, to achieve optimum health and wellness. Now, remember, if you only learn one new thing from today's show, then your time with us has been well spent. That's our goal for you. And today we're talking about homeopathic medicine with my guest, Dr. Ronald Whitmont from Rhinebeck, New York. And we thank him for being with us. Dr. Whitmont, do you have any cases that come to my homeopathic cases from your practice that you would like to share with us? I'm laughing because, uh, as as I was telling you in in the the break between um, our our talks, is that you know homeopathy treats so many different conditions, and we treat people of all ages. And my practice is sort of like an old fashioned family practice where uh, anything can walk in the door with any condition, from trigeminal neuralgia to pandas. Uh, and, and other, you know, vaccine reactions to colds and sinus infections and flu and COVID-19. And, you know, you name it, we've, we've treated it. Uh, I've treated it. Uh, so picking a case um, kind of feels like saying, you know, this is all I treat. Uh, I, I would love to give you, you know, the, the whole lineup uh, of people. You know, I can tell you um, that there is an evidence base uh, for using homeopathy in uh, a wide range of conditions and um, there is an excellent safety uh, record of using homeopathy we've looked at records from the glasgow homeopathic hospital in scotland and the royal london homeopathic hospital in um in london and uh, cases have been tracked disease conditions have been looked at um, there have been researchers that have um I'm thinking particularly of a study that you, um, since you brought up the study in Jerusalem, there was a study done uh, in Europe looking at an eight-year follow-up of homeopathically treated chronic cases, um, showing not only that, uh, and this was done by an author, Claudia DeWitt, uh, or actually it's Claudia Witt, and, and she found that uh, looking at a few thousand cases of, of patients treated homeopathically over eight years, not only were there um, very positive results and very high patient satisfaction rates, um, but the people who improved the most under homeopathic care were those who were sickest at the outset of the study. So uh, very often you'll say, well, they must have gotten better because they weren't really sick. But in, in fact, when you look at homeopathically treated and cured cases, it's usually the sickest ones that improve the most. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because those patients who are sickest tend to have the richest um, symptom pictures, and they give you the most information to actually prescribe on. 
uh, and you can learn the most about their cases and then individualize more carefully uh, and more accurately uh, in those cases. So um, we have long-range studies, we have short-term studies, we have side-by-side -side comparative e efficacy studies on homeopathy, uh, looking at treatment of upper respiratory infections, ear infections, um, a whole range of childhood infections, comparing it even to conventional pharmacopoeia. Um, and we see not only better outcomes in the long term, but we see better outcome in the short term, faster resolution of symptoms. When you compare homeopathy to conventional medicine, you see uh, less relapses over time when you use homeopathy compared to conventional medicine. We're really dealing with something very, very significant when we're talking about homeopathy. Conventional medicine I don't really believe, Dan, and you might have some comments on this, I don't really believe it cures very much of anything. Um, and when you look at what actually produces a cure, you have to look to the body. Really, only the body can produce a cure. So if you want to initiate a cure, if you want to support healing, then you must look to what is the body doing in its environment how is the body struggling with the environment? And where are the blocks that are leading to that dis-ease um, with the environment? And that's really what illness is in the first place. Uh, so this is really why um, not only has homeopathy been discredited because it's, uh, you know, you're not giving real drugs kind of thing, but it is beyond the understanding of conventional physicians to consider that the body might actually heal itself, that it interacts with the environment in an intimate fashion, that we are linked to our microbiomes to such a degree that that reflects and that predicts our health outcome. And when you destroy that ecosystem using conventional drugs, you are limiting and you are restricting recovery. Um, so I consider homeopathy and, and a few other complementary and alternative modalities to be true methods of curing, where I think conventional medicine, for the most part, is just temporarily alleviating symptoms. There's a few cures, but I'd say, and, and I think trauma medicine is a wonderful you know, thing to look at conventionally, but when it comes to the management of chronic illness or even the treatment of acute illnesses, I think it does a lousy job. And that's the yeah, gold standard that we're held against. You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be judged against that form of medicine. And that form of medicine is really quite bad when you look at it closely. Yeah, I think that that's counterproductive to the current economic model of right. disease management. So they manage symptoms and cure nothing, and at least in terms of chronic diseases. Now, of course, they can do surgery and take something out. They can they can cast a, a bone and make it right. heal, and they right. can sew up a wound. But when it comes to chronic disease, homeopathy has an outstanding record because it's now recruiting the body to heal itself, whereas conventional medicine is using drugs, prescription drugs side to manage symptoms. There are some homeopathics that I have found to be quite useful, uh, as you mentioned, for just around the house, everyday, ordinary symptoms. I once had a, a young grandson who was crying. He'd been crying for two hours. His parents didn't know what to do with him. They called me to come over. 
I gave him a combination of uh, Nexabama Carbo Veg, it's known as upset stomach, put a little progesterone, natural progesterone on his feet, and within minutes, uh, the episode was over, and it never occurred again. So there are some homeopaths I keep in my home, some that I take with me whenever I track. I'll be leaving uh, on a trip shortly, and that's one of the medicines I always take with me. I always take with me the homeopathic flu as well. Homeopathic physicians during the flu pandemic back in 1918-19 had an outstanding success rate compared to conventional medicine that was prescribing anti-inflammatories and was, in fact, accelerating the death rate yeah. among We're seeing patients. the same well, thing. Dan, we're seeing the same thing today with COVID-19. You have homeopaths around the world treating, home treating COVID-19 effectively, without side effects, without deaths, using homeopathy. And anytime someone gets admitted to the hospital and is treated conventionally, the outcome is poor. They either get recurrences, they may suffer, you know, significant morbidities, they may die, uh, and then they don't really develop immunity, which is a problem. Um, so we have the same issue going on today than we had going on in 1918. So in regards to some of the simple things that people can use at home, what are some of the remedies that you recommend they keep in it? First aid homeopathic kit, such as what I have in my home. Well, um, arnica for absolutely certain. Arnica is a medicine that is very helpful for all forms of trauma. Everything from you know bumping the head to you know cutting or falling down and twisting an ankle. Um, belladonna is a wonderful medicine to have at home um, for childhood fevers and ear infections um, and those types of things. Nux vomica is a wonderful medicine to have around uh, exactly what you described for treating stomach issues um, and food poisoning. Um, arsenicum album is a wonderful medicine for a range of conditions, um, everything from uh, gastroenteritis uh, to fevers uh, and, and, and the like. Um, chamomilla is a wonderful medicine, particularly if you have children around when they have significantly painful ear infections, uh, when the pain is really out of control, chamomilla is a wonderful medicine for really treating illness almost anywhere in the body. Um, and um, there's a wonderful medicine, uh, Ipecac or Ipecacuana, that is useful when there is a nausea, vomiting, um, and, um, you know, really a, an illness that someone can't stop uh, their digestive tract from um, creating, you know, vomiting. Uh, there's, there's a bunch more. I, in my <laughs> office, we offer, a, we have a 50 medicine kit because there, there really are so many medicines that are useful around the house. Uh, and we're talking out of, you know, several thousand medicines that are available, about, about 1,200 are part of the homeopathic pharmacopoeia of the United States, which is a federally recognized pharmacopoeia. Um, but there's many, many re remedies, uh, or we call homeopathic medicines, that are useful for a number of uh, household emergency situations, um, for anything from infections to injuries to, to illnesses like that. Um, and we treat, yeah, we treat just about everything. Yeah, one of the things that I like to keep around is calendula. Calendula, you can get in the ointment form, and we love to use that for burns and open wounds. We find that that's uh, also a valuable one. So you can get them not just in the sublingual pellet form, but they're also available in topicals, ointments. And so there's a variety of 
I'm Dr. Dan Roy. We've been listening to the royalty Dr. Ron for being with us. My guest today has been Dr. Ron from Ryan Beck, New York, and we've been talking about homeopathy. My friends, I thank you, and we'll be back again next week for another episode of The Royal Treatment. Hopefully your time with us has been well spent, and you have, in fact, learned one new thing. Until next week, may you all be well.